Well, this time of year, Christmas has a way of messing with time. It's, it's an in-between sort of time. We get all tripped up on our grammar during Advent as things that were past tense now become present once again. Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol isn't the only one who's visited this time of year by ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. This year, we rewatch our favorite Christmas movies, movies we remember watching as kids. How many times are you going to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Yet every year, you watch it again, and it seems to get a little better every year, too. This year, we'll watch kids, grandkids, great-grandkids tear open packages in glee on Christmas morning. And as we see them, we see ourselves. We see our children when they were young as if it were just yesterday, happening again. It may have been years since our loved ones were with us. Life has moved on, but this time of year it seems without fail. The pain of their loss is as fresh as if it were yesterday. At Christmas time, we can't help but look back. The season demands it, and these memories cause us to look forward. To think about the next year, what is ahead, what needs to change, what should be different, and who will we gather with next year, and who will be missing. Once again this year, as we do every year, we gather at the Nativity. We dress our kids up in costumes somewhat resembling what they might have worn back then. As you watch these kids today, you may remember your kids wearing the exact same costumes many years ago. Reenacting that biblical story, that ancient story yet timeless, told for thousands of years, lived out again today in our presence. We celebrate the coming of Jesus, God becoming flesh, living among us, yet in a moment we will sing once again, Come thou long expected Jesus. So what is it? What is the proper grammar for Advent? What verb tense should we sing in? What are we celebrating? That Christ has come as a baby in a manger? That Christ is here among us now? Or that Christ will one day come again? Is it Christmas past? Christmas present? Or Christmas future? Christmas has a way of messing with time. Now our scriptures this morning, both that we read, are of no help to us. We began our worship with these ancient words from the psalmist sung many, many years ago to the Jews as they would ascend to the temple. As the psalmist reviews the history of God's people, she sings, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. The Lord has done great things for them, but the Lord has done great things for us. So restore now our fortunes, O Lord. Hundreds of years later, another psalmist sings, her voice still echoing through time. Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord, Mary proclaims. The mother of Jesus, upon hearing the good news, sings that the Lord has done great things for me. The Lord has scattered the proud. The Lord has brought down powerful from their thrones. The Lord has filled the hungry with good things. Then and now. For them, but for us. Already God has done this, Mary sings. Yet look around. The Lord has scattered the proud. But did you see fans' reactions 
when their favorite college football teams didn't make the playoffs? Really? The Lord has scattered the proud. The Lord has brought down the powerful from their thrones. The last I heard, the powerful were still manipulating people, building up arsenals and coffers to preserve those thrones. The Lord has brought down the powerful. The Lord has filled the hungry with good things. Well, I read this week that some 805 million people in the world today do not have enough food to lead a healthy, active life. That's around one out of every nine people on this earth. The Lord has filled the hungry with good things. Yet here, Mary sings again today, singing of how blessed she is, yet a hard road is ahead of her. The road of an unwed teenage pregnant teenager, a road covered in scandal, a road that will lead right to a cross where the son now promised will soon die blessed. So which is it? What is the grammar of Advent? Are we blessed or will we be blessed? Has the Lord already done great things, bringing down the proud, bring, uh, uh, taking the powerful from their thrones, filling the hungry with good things? Or do we pray and ask and long for God to do these things now? Come, O long-expected Jesus, we sing. But we also sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. This past Wednesday, I heard singing in the church after youth group and wandered into this sanctuary as the choir was practicing. They were singing one of my favorite Christmas carols. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Now, next week in this service, they will sing that song for you, a beautiful arrangement uh, that will be accompanied by our chalice bells. But Marty's preaching next week, so I want to talk about the song this week to prepare us, I guess. The, the song is based on the poem Christmas Bells by one of America's most beloved poets, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Long, Longfellow wrote the poem in 1864, and if you know your American history, you know that was right in the middle of the Civil War. A time of tragedy in our country, but a time of tragedy for Wadsworth, for Longfellow's life. A few years before, in 1861, his wife Frances died tragically in their house. She was using a candle and hot wax just dripped on her dress and her dress immediately ignited. Engulfed in flames, she runs to Henry's study to protect her family, her children, from the fire. Henry follows her, throws himself upon her to put out the flames. She ends up dying from her wounds the next day. Henry was too wounded himself to even attend the funeral. If you've seen pictures of him, he always has this long, bushy beard, a beard that he grew after that event to hide the scars on his face. The following Christmas, on Christmas Day, 1862, the memories of that horrible night were still fresh in his mind. And he wrote in his journal that day, a Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. The next year, Longfellow received the news that his son Charles, who had just turned 17, had secretly enlisted in the Union Army against his father's strong protest. And then the news that he feared the most, Charlie had contracted typhoid on the field and then was severely wounded, lying barely alive in the hospital. Henry goes himself to that battlefield hospital to bring his son home, expecting him to die. But Charlie survives. 
Maybe there was reason to hope. The next Christmas day, 1864, came, and as it was approaching, the Union celebrated the re-election of President Lincoln. Though the war was not yet over, the end was in sight. And that year, Henry sat as was his habit in his home with his journal in front of him, reflecting on the past years and the tragedy he had gone through. As he reflected, he heard those bells, the church bells, play on Christmas Day. And in that moment, he picked up his pen and he wrote that famous poem. A poem that starts off hopeful. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, he wrote, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. The belfries, I love that word, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then the poem takes a turn. Hope begins to fade. Faced with the realities of war, then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And there is so much in our world that mocks that song of peace on earth. Hate remains very, song, very strong today. The hungry are still in need of food. The powerful still sit on their thrones of greed, violence, and injustice, fighting peace and goodwill at every turn. And yet here we are in the middle of Advent, the Sunday of joy, singing of the joy that the Lord has come. We began our worship today focused on joy as we sang joy to the world. Now you had your hymnals out and you were following along, though you probably had that song memorized by now. However, I was watching a few of your mouths as you were singing that first line. You remember joy to the world. But some of you said the wrong words. What is the next line? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Some of you said joy to the world. The Lord has come, and you were wrong. That's not the song. The song says joy to the world. The Lord is come. It's a strange phrase. The Lord is come. I don't know if it's grammatically correct or not. It's present tense. But it talks of things that, well, that happened in the past and things that will happen in the future. So what is it? What is the grammar of Advent. In what verb tense do we sing? Is it Christmas past, present, or Christmas future? Yes. Yes, it's all of it. Advent is all of it, encompassing it all. Longfellow doesn't leave that poem in despair, but he ends it with this triumph declaration of hope, a hope born out of tragedy, and yet still hope. He says, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
And that is our song. That is our hope. This Advent, we join triumphantly with the psalmist, with Longfellow, with Mary, with all God's singers, past, present, and future, singing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Maybe not everywhere. Not yet. There are still places that mock the song, corners of our world and of our hearts, where we have not yet heard those bells on Christmas Day. But it's happening. It has begun. Now, here, in our midst, Christ has come. Christ is come. And Christ will come again and again and again. Amen. Let us come again to the table of Christ as we sing the song, When God is a Child.